Time is running short for industry stakeholders to comment on extensive and rather cumbersome changes to FAA pilot reporting requirements. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Now, one might think it a bit unusual for the FAA to issue rather sweeping changes to a key program right in the midst of a global pandemic that has upended the nation's aviation industry. Nevertheless, that's just what the agency did at the end of March, announcing a series of onerous changes to required information submitted to its electronic pilot records database, including new regulatory burdens affecting a large segment of the Part 91 community and many NBAA members. The FAA then set a June 29th deadline for those concerned about the NPRM to submit their proposed changes, and the agency has since denied requests from NBAA and others in the industry for additional time to comment on the proposed requirements in consideration of COVID-19. Joining me today to discuss what this means for business aviation operators and what options are available is Doug Carr, NBAA's Vice President for Regulatory and International Affairs. Also with me is Brian Kester, Director of Flight Operations and Regulations at NBAA, and Jason Herman, CAM and Chairman of the NBAA Domestic Operations Committee. Doug, please tell us about the Pilot Records Database. Why was it created and who does it benefit the most? Thanks, Rob. In 1997, Congress passed the Pilot Records Improvement Act as a result of some previous uh, aviation accidents. Congress felt that by providing additional information for air carriers to use in their hiring process, they could make a better decision on finding pilots that they believe met their standards. The Pilot Records Improvement Act requires air carriers to secure information from three sources that include the FAA, looking at a pilot's uh, pilot certificates and medical certificates, the National Driver Registry, which provides information on the pilot's driving history, and previous employers. Today, that process largely is handled through some online tools the FAA has put in place over the last several years. And business aviation operators who have pilots that do end up applying for employment with the airlines will face a request from the airline asking for certain types of records that the operator may still possess. That is handled today on an ad hoc basis only when a former crew member is seeking employment with an air carrier. So today there's very little involvement from the business aviation community in the pilot records database program, which I think reflects that business aviation in and of itself is not a a core component that's needed for the success of, of the program itself. Brian, what changes does the FAA plan to implement with this rulemaking, and what are NBAA's primary concerns with the ruling and the process by which it has come about? So with this new proposed rulemaking, FAA is going on to phase two of the Pilot Records Improvement Act. So they're bringing the process into the 21st century. They're making it electronic, making it automated, and going to make things faster when an air carrier needs to review the training and employment history of a potential pilot candidate. Uh, As you talk to air carriers today, 
you'll find that in some cases they have to send up to three different requests. And even then, especially if an air carrier or former employer of a pilot candidate has gone out of business, even after three requests and four to six weeks down the road, they may not have heard anything back. So they've just wasted a bunch of time in being able to finalize a hiring decision. Through this new electronic process, they'll be able to get that information much quicker. As part of that, they're also going to have to provide information to the database. In some cases, we think that this will be very helpful for those hiring air carriers. However, this is also going to bring in Part 91 operations to the system. So this, this whole pilot records database came out of a 2010 mandate uh, by Congress. And FAA has taken a pretty liberal interpretation of who should be included into this pilot records database and who needs to be contributing records. So not just Part 91 corporate flight departments, but also Part 91-147 air tour operators. And they're considering involving a couple of other folks like external load operators and ag op operators in this as well. They want to have a comprehensive view and in what their mind, anyone who could potentially become a airline pilot, they want the records for that individual contributed to the database, which as you know, is pretty expansive and pretty hard to track. Who really has the potential to become a, a candidate for the airlines or an air carrier? Jason, as a Part 91 operator now facing the need to comply with this proposal, what concerns you most about these new requirements? One of the big challenges with the notice of proposed rulemaking is that the FAA intends to codify the definition of a corporate flight department within the context of compliance for the pilot records database. This is the first time that the FAA has really taken that step to define what is a corporate flight department and how those organizations play in as what the FAA considers to be gateway employers to various air carriers. Fortunately, MBAA members and volunteers on our domestic operations committee have been poring over the notice of proposed rulemaking for the last few months and have generated some interesting perspectives from various backgrounds, including legal backgrounds, Part 142 training centers, Part 91 small and medium and large size operators, Part 135 carriers, as well as Part 125 corporate shuttle operations. This is a, a pretty sweeping proposal in the sense that a number of Part 91 business aviation flight departments who currently are not subject to these record-keeping requirements will, moving forward as proposed, be required to report a number of different records to the database on behalf of their employees. Included will be any aircraft operator that operates a fleet of aircraft, which as proposed the FAA defines as two or more aircraft requiring a type rating and operated in furtherance of or incidental to a business under Part 91. This presents a lot of challenge given the various ownership and operation structures that exist throughout the business aviation community, in addition to the way that Part 91 operators frequently use part-time or contract pilots who may be subject to this rule as well. So where do we now stand in this process, Brian? And is there a possibility the agency will change its decision not to offer additional comment time on the NPRM? Yeah, Rob, NBA is 
been evaluating this rule since it was first released on March 30th is a very comprehensive rule that amounts to a complete overhaul in the way air carriers provide information to the FAA and to who is required to provide information to the FAA, uh, greatly expanding that, that list. So not only does it really expand the program uh, and have a, a large and vast effect, but it's bluntly a pretty poorly written rule with a lot of things that contradict itself. You'll find as you look at the language within the rule that uh, in some cases it refers to air carriers and in some cases it refers to air carriers and other operators. So you can really see that the Part 91 community was sort of an afterthought as they went back through and made their adjustments. So NBAA is seeking an extension, but we're not the only ones. Several other associations, in fact, if you look at the at the docket, a total of five different aviation trade associations accounting for essentially every major stakeholder and constituency group affected by this rule has requested an extension. Not only is the rule vast, far-reaching, and going to have significant impact on the community, but it's poorly written. And on top of that, it was released during the middle of a pandemic, a global health crisis and a national emergency. So not getting a an extension under normal circumstances would be frustrating. Not getting an extension under the current circumstances is frankly quite appalling. So we are continuing to pursue an extension. We are working with our colleagues in Congress, our allies in Congress, to continue to seek more time to provide feedback to this rule. As you know, it's important to get a rule right on the first time when it comes out. Uh, It has the effect of law. Operators can be violated for not following it. And in this case, they may not know exactly what they're expected to do. So it's important to get it right, to get the language clear, and more time will help us provide that critical and constructive feedback to the FAA to point out where there's opportunities for improvement within the rule. We support the initiative. We do think it's going to make things better, especially for the air carriers in their hiring process, help them make more informed decisions, and overall, in the end, improve safety, which is something that NBA supports. We want to be able to do that. But we want to be able to do it in a way that makes sense for everybody. And having more time to evaluate this rule will allow us to do so. Uh, So we continue to seek opportunities to delay the deadline. However, in the meantime, we are asking members to contribute. We are asking them to evaluate the rule on their own, figure out how it's going to impact their operation, and submit their own comments to the FAA. And Brian, it's worth emphasizing that submitting a comment on this NPRM is not a simple process. The notice itself is 200 pages long, and commenters are also asked to address 20 separate technical questions in their responses. That's not something you can do over a lunch break. I think it's also important to highlight some of the contradictions within the rule, especially when you look into the regulation the text within the regulation itself and then the text within the preamble. You see a couple of different places where there's a discrepancy. And then even within the text of the regulation itself, you'll see places where it says operators are not supposed to report aeronautical experience. But then as you look at the associated advisory circular that the FAA is included in the docket and the language within the preamble, you'll see that they want folks to start reporting things like currency and proficiency, which could be every landing, every instrument approach, every opportunity to maintain that 90-day currency for landings. So it could really mean reporting after every flight. Burdens like this seem to go well beyond the scope of the legislative mandate. And we think that that is something 
than FAA has not considered when it comes to the impact on small flight departments. Uh, not just corporate operators, but also small Part 135 operators. How are these folks who've been tracking all this stuff on paper supposed to comply with this in any practical sense? So uh, I think this is another thing that's important for members to evaluate, to consider, to read into, and look at for their own operation. What does that mean? And then provide that feedback to the FAA. The more precise and descriptive that they can be in their comments, the more helpful those comments will be to the FAA uh, as they form the final rules. I think you raise a couple of great points here that I that we really need to emphasize. This is really regulatory overreach at its worst. The Part 91 community is being dragged into a solution that wasn't designed to fix it. We have a situation where our community will see no safety benefit as a result of compliance with this program. And the creation of a definition solely for the purpose of satisfying paperwork is not in the best interest of our community, that is for sure. Additionally, the fact that this proposal has 20 requests for additional information really suggests that the agency hasn't fully considered all of the implications of this rule. In fact, it does suggest that the agency probably should have considered a different regulatory uh, approach in releasing an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking to try and collect information on these questions to make a better informed rulemaking decision that would that we would be focused on today. So uh, as Brian has mentioned, there's just a, a lot of flaws in the proposal. So Doug, what can NBAA members do to make their voices heard on this matter? It's important that members begin looking at the proposal now. We've got some dedicated resources on our website that will take members through the biggest elements of concern for the proposal. It's important that members have an opportunity to go through the proposal, understand what it's suggesting, and begin to document as much as they can what the impact of the rule would be to them should they face compliance. This is really a call to action for our members to engage with the rulemaking process understand the implications of what the proposal would mean for them and provide that feedback directly into the docket, the public docket for the FAA's consideration. While time is short, uh, under the current comment deadline, this is really an important effort that we're leaning on our members for, calling our members to, uh, to take advantage of in order to help the FAA understand the gravity of our concerns. Jason, anything you'd like to add from the operator perspective? Sure. In addition to operators and their perspective on the burden that this would have on their Part 91 Business Aviation Flight Department, NBAA members are uniquely positioned to comment on how pilots typically transition into and out of their organizations to other employers. One thing that the FAA is a bit unclear on in the notice of proposed rulemaking is the sheer number of corporate flight departments that exist that meet the definition as proposed, as well as operators' status as a sort of gateway to larger operators, or perhaps in some cases, it may go in the other direction where pilots join an organization and then go to larger corporate flight departments that would not be subject to requesting records from those or those previous organizations. So operators uh, are welcome to comment on not only the burden 
that this would have on their organization, both uh, from a economic perspective and a logistical and labor perspective to input these records, which are currently not required to be retained by the operator, only by the pilot, but also how pilots transition into and out of their organization. And if that meets the FAA's idea of how pilots normally advance uh, between job positions uh, throughout their career. Rob, one potential final aspect of this rule is the potential unintended consequence of this rule playing a significant role in an operator's purchasing decision for a new aircraft and for existing operators determining whether the burden of the rule is worth keeping their aircraft that qualify them to comply with this rule. It's interesting to hear over the years what elements play a significant role in operators and individuals choosing to purchase an aircraft. And I see this mandate potentially playing a significant role in making a determination on whether or not additional aircraft should be added to their capability or if existing aircraft are worth the burden of compliance with the rule. This could have a significant dampening effect on aircraft uh, sales throughout, throughout the country. To learn more about the NPRM and to submit comments ahead of the June 29th deadline, you may visit NBAA's regulatory alert at nbaa.org forward slash PRD. Also, NBAA will cover the FAA's plans live and in greater depth as part of the NBAA NewsHour webinar series on Friday, June 26th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. In that session, you'll be able to ask NBAA and others about how the agency's plan might impact your operations and what you can do to make your voice heard. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.